You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. You're up. We're waiting on you. All right. I'm warning you. Here he comes. Amen. I'm glad to be in church today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. I'm going to need you to read it for me today. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. Stop right there. The book of Hebrews is a powerful book. It's God's best demonstration of His grace to His people Israel. They had a good thing going with God, but they blew it. And God gave them a better thing. That's the way God works. They had a good thing going with the law, with the law and the prophets, but they had, God gave them a better thing because they blew it. He gave them something that, that, that they could just put their faith in. Rather than have to do anything to be righteous, they, He gave them something they could put their faith in to be righteous. It says here, God spoke many different kinds of ways. Now let me say something to you about this book, first of all. What's the first word in, in, in this letter? God. That's a proof, that's one of the ten proofs in this letter that Paul did not write this book. It's Paul's doctrine, but he didn't write it. Every book Paul writes, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, all start with the word Paul. First word in every letter he wrote is Paul. He did not write this book. This word is God, which is appropriate for the Hebrews. But it is Paul's doctrine. It was one of his one of his disciples, one of his followers, one of his sons or daughters that wrote this. I think it was Priscilla. Who knew who knew Paul's doctrine better than Priscilla did? Nobody. Nobody knew it better. I say it was her. My guess is just as good as yours. We, we can guess all day. My guess is just as good as yours. That's why I think it, it, was, it was a woman, because it, that's why it doesn't have a name on it. Who wrote it? All the books have a name on it. But if it was a woman, there'd be a reason not to have her, for her to put her name on it. How many of you girls are glad we come, we come a long way, baby? Amen. <laughs> How God spoke. It says God, God spoke in different kinds of ways back then. In the, New, in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. In various and sundry, sundry ways. That means he had signs and strange things he'd have the prophets do, like like cook their food over cow's dung. Yep. Yep. This speaks to me. This speaks to me. I'm one thing. I'm glad I'm not in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> glad I'm in the New Covenant. <laughs> he spoke through fleeces. You know, Gideon put out a fleece. Every time I did that, I got fleeced. Every time I tried to get a fleece from God, I got fleeced. 
doesn't work in the new covenant because you know God's voice. He expects you to hear his voice. Not, not, not always looking for signs and wonders and some odd way for him to speak to you. He, he's inside you. He doesn't have to do that, resort to that kind of thing. How many of you have ever, ever put out a fleece? Come on, be honest. You have, haven't you? We were, we were taught bad. It may have worked out for you. It may have worked out for you, but I got fleeced from my part. Okay. I learned to pray and obey what I hear. Pray and obey what you hear. The Spirit of God is in you. He does not have to resort to signs and things like that. Outward things. God spoke and we listened and now we're here. How many of you are here from out of town today? From another town? I know these two down here from another country. Did you introduce them? No, you did. This is David and Micah, friends of ours from CF and I. They're from Holland. <laughs> the Netherlands. Meet them before you go today. Students at CF and I. Third year? What are you studying there? Of course. Okay, verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He is God's last voice to us. Jesus is God's last day voice to us. There's no such thing as the last day prophet. Jesus is the last day prophet. That ends that. I've heard, heard guys on the radio before, you know, been introduced as God's last day man, God's last day prophet. You're not Jesus. Yeah. Jesus is God's last word in the earth. Amen. The last message God wanted mankind to hear from him was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. By the way, he was God's first voice too. He says, by whom also he made the worlds. Oh God, that's good. He's God's last day voice and God's first voice. In him was the, he, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This word that you know is Jesus, your Savior, is God Almighty in the flesh. Amen. Verse 3, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. That means He looked just like God in the earth. Why? Because Adam looked like God. Adam looked just like God. Made in God's image, Adam was. That means you are too. You see why God had to redeem you? Why He had to come, out, had to, had to come get you? Because the devil had us enslaved. enslaved. The enemy had God's enemy. He's not just your enemy. He's God's enemy. Yeah. Had you captured and slaved. Like if if you walked in on your friend, I've used this example before, you walk in on your friend who's got his, your grandmother's picture on the wall throwing darts at it, what are you going to do? Stop going to stop him, aren't you? How many of you rednecks going to punch him in the nose? <laughs> Twice. Both sides of the nose. Bleed on both sides. Is it hurting your grandmother? No, we're not hurting her at all. It's hurting you and the image of your grandmother. Mankind was made in God's image and the, the enemy took him slavery, took him, put him into slavery. Now, the enemy used uh, the Adam and man to prove to his cohorts, the, the, the fallen angels, that he was in charge of God by using Adam. He said, look what we're making God do. Well, they knew it wasn't God, but he looked like God. That's, why, that's how God had to stop. That's why God had to do something to stop that noise. 
he had to. He had to. God had a need. Can you imagine that? God was in need. I heard people say that God never needs anything. Yes, He did. He needed. He needed us Amen. because He wanted us. He wanted you. He. What did that song say? Jesus did not want heaven without us. He did not want heaven without us. He had to have you there. Or God would be in need, be in want all his all, all for eternity. He had to do something. So he came and got us. Amen. I just wanted to do that though. He had to he had to send Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. There's a little phrase in this. It means more than you think it does. By himself. By himself. Just in case you were thinking you could mix the law with your redemption. Just in case you were thinking you could mix the law with your grace. Just in case you were thinking you could mix works with with faith. He did it by himself. All by himself. You don't need Jesus plus anything. You just need Jesus in your life. Glory to God. Amen. Justin Key, here's what, here's what we do though. We mix our repentance with it. I repented and God forgave me. Well, no, that's not really when He forgave you. You think you did, your repentance got you saved? No, it didn't. Not really. You were purged by the blood of Christ long before anybody ever, ever sinned. Once and for all, it was done. He did it alone. Thank you. Why aren't you throwing money? No, no, I'm just playing, just playing. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That tells you something powerful. There is a man seated on the throne of God. A man seated on the throne of God. There's a man there. You know what that means? Men can get in. Men can go there. As long as there's a man in heaven on the throne, you're invited to every place in heaven. If there's a man on the throne, you're invited to every place in heaven. I said if there's a man on the throne, you, you can go every place in heaven. Abundant entrance. Abundant entrance. I've heard this stuff all my life about, about a remnant. Remnant theology kept the church small for for decades, for hundreds of years probably. Especially the Pentecostal church. Big into the remnant theology. Oh, there's going to be a few, few be saved. Button up your ears. Button up your lip, I should say. That's nonsense. I read the book of Revelation. They said there were a number that nobody could even number. It was redeemed of the Lord. The remnant is talking about Israel, not you. You're going to be a remnant of Israel saved, but you are going to be saved by the multiplied billions. Amen. Glory to God. When we, we, we got over that remnant theology, our churches started growing. Look at this. Every, everywhere, all over, all over the, the world, the Christian church is, is happily, strongly growing in size and number because we got over remnant theology. The biggest churches in the world are... There's a million members in the church in North Africa. 
Did you know that? One church has over a million members. Every week, the pastor preaches to a million people in North Africa. Joel Osteen's church is 60,000 60, now, something like that. It's smaller than this church so back in, in, per capita. You tell people that. You say, I go to a church that's bigger than Joel's church <laughs> per capita. There's a man seated on the throne of God because God had to do something about his image. His image had to be redeemed, brought back. Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than, the, than they. What's that saying? You don't need to see an angel. How many of you ever wanted to see an angel? I wanted to. I prayed about it. I found out something, though. You see a redeemed man, you're seeing something better than an angel. You see a redeemed man, you're seeing something better than an angel. Redeemed man is better than an angel. He's talking about Jesus being redeemed from the hell that he went to. He went to hell, y'all. No, he, Jesus did not go to heaven when he died. He went to hell. He died as a sinner for you, so you never have to go there. Because Jesus went there, you'll never have to go there. You will never, ever go to hell because Jesus, Jesus went there for you. If redemption means anything, it means he went there and bought you back. Amen. Glory to God. So a man is better than angels. Why? Why does he say this? As a son of man, he was moved. He has moved us into God, the God class. He became the son of man, so you might become the son of God. You're in the God class. We're better than angels. Got to high five somebody over that. That's good preaching, if you ask me. You're in the God class, not in the angel class. Angels are now your servants. I'm going to prove that with this. With this. So he gave Jesus a more excellent name than they. More excellent name than they. Recently, on a Wednesday night, we studied the book of Jonah. I'm going to take you there today. I mean, we were there that Wednesday night when I talked about Jonah. Uh, I'm going to let you others in on this. I know you don't go, go to church on Wednesday night, but you should. <laughs> More excellent name, he said he got because he did what he did. What is his name? Jesus. What does that name mean? Salvation is of the Lord. Take your Bible and turn to Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to show you why Jesus said there will not be any sign given you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Here's why. Again, this is something that the church has highly misunderstood this all through the years. Chapter, chapter 1, verse 12. Churches have highly misunderstood the book of Jonah and Jonah himself. They, they call him rebellious. Say he was rebellious. He was mean. He was just stupid and all that. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He ran because of the message that he had, God gave him to give. His message was not repent. His message was you're going to die. His message was not turn or burn. There was no turn in it. No possibility of turning. It was just burn, baby, burn. That's what, it, that's what the message was. And the prophet could not change it. The prophet had to tell what exactly he heard God say. 
And he said, and, and at the end of the book, you find out, he said, this is why I ran in the first place. I knew you'd be, I knew you'd be gracious. I knew you'd do this and leave me hanging out to dry. <laughs> what happened to a prophet that, that prophesied something that wasn't right back in his day? They stoned him. His life was on the line. You would have run too. You would have run too. Yes, you would have. He's a good man, Jonah. Great man, Jonah. Look at verse 12. Big storm came up when he's on the boat. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this tempest is upon you. So they took up Jonah and cast him into the, forth into the sea. Verse 15. And the sea ceased from her raging. He voluntarily died for the others. He voluntarily died for others. Who do you know that did that? He died so somebody else could live. Volunteered. In verse 17 says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. It talks of his burial. His burial. Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. In Jonah chapter 2, look at this. Jonah chapter 2, read verse 2, Miss Anne. And said I, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest me. Where was he? In hell. Says hell. I believe Jonah died that day. This is why this is such a powerful symbol of Christ. Read verse 5, Miss Ann. 5. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. What? Jesus died with a crown of thorns. Read on, verse 6. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption. How long was he down there? Forever, he said. Okay. When you're in eternity, there is no time. So it's forever. You don't. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. Read verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Stop right there. Salvation is of the Lord. <laughs> That's not really what Jonah said. Anybody know what Jonah said right here? He said Yeshua. He said Jesus' name right there. Prayed that prayer to God. Talking about, I saw myself back up there with you. He said that, that to God, I saw myself back in the temple of God. And then he said, Yeshua. Wow. Wow. And when he said Yeshua, the, the, the whale got sick. And the Lord spake unto the whale, the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. The resurrection. What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins. He was buried and arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Amen.
This is a powerful thought. This thing is Jonah. That's how Jesus got his more excellent name. His excellent name means salvation has come. Salvation, God's salvation. Read verse 5 of, of this uh, chapter, chapter 1 of Hebrews. Back to Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, verse 5. Or, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? None. Never said that to one angel ever. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. He never said that once to an angel. No. You see, the, the cults like to say Jesus was Michael the archangel. If he was, he could not save you. He had to be God Almighty in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is God. That's who he is. You don't miss him. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. The first begotten. That's an interesting thing. Jesus is called the first begotten. Why? No, no, no only child is called a first begotten. Why do they call them first begotten? Because his sons come after. That means that Jesus had plans for you and me. Out there, but being called first begotten, he has plans for you to come out of the grave, for you to be born again, and then come out of the grave too. You're not gonna, you're not gonna die, never gonna die, never gonna see death, never gonna see death. Jesus said it in John chapter eleven: "He that believes in me shall never die." Amen. That means when you close your eyes in this in this death, what we call death in this world, you close your eyes, you just blink, be like a blink. You open your eyes, the next moment you'll be in glory. You'll be in glory with Jesus. No separation. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Read verse 7, Miss Anne. And the angels, he saith, who, make, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. They're everywhere right now. Flame of fire angels are everywhere right now. Everywhere. All around us. You may not see them, but they're there. Remember that time when Elisha and his servant were in Samaria? The, the king of Assyria sent down the troops to get him because he'd been informing on him to, get to his king. Where, where the king of Assyria was going to attack, the king of Israel would move his troops. So the king of Assyria thought, I got a mole. He didn't. He had a prophet, in, uh, had a, had a prophet down in, in Israel. He couldn't, he couldn't stop. He found out that there was a prophet down there. He sent 100,000 troops, they estimate, 100,000 troops with his chariots and horses after one guy. How bad is this guy? Send a hundred thousand men after the one guy. Everybody say overkill. overkill. It's overkill. They get down there, and uh, I love this story. They get down there, and uh, the, the servant sees them all around. He says he sees a, the valley is full of chariots. Servant sees that. Runs back into Elisha and says, My master, my master, what, how shall we do? How shall we do? King James, I like that. How shall we do? 
And the uh, prophet said, what's wrong with you? They, they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have any trouble. They that be with you are more than they that be with them. That's your word today. They that be with you are more than they that be with your enemies. He, I can just see this this kid looking at out across that big vast valley full of horses and chariots, counting them: five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, forty thousand, sixty thousand, eighty thousand, hundred thousand. Turn to the prophet and go. One, two. You don't know. You don't know God's. You don't know God's kind of math, apparently, because there's nothing in the world two people can't do, as long as one of them is God and the other one is you. Amen. Did you notice in verse seven? It says, "A scepter of righteousness." A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Not a scepter of wrath. Not a scepter of wrath. The scepter means authority. And I'll get you. I'll kill you if you mess with me. That's what the scepter means. But Jesus has a scepter of righteousness, not a scepter of wrath. When did that change? When did this king of glory start carrying a scepter of righteousness instead of a scepter of wrath? Read Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Let's put that up there. Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'd like to prove my point with the Bible. Is that okay? <laughs> For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Jew. Any believers in the house? Amen. For therein. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Oh, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. We never saw the righteousness of God in the Old Testament. We always saw the wrath of, the wrath of God. We don't. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Look at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. We already know that. We've already seen that re revelation. We had that revelation. The ground opening up and swallowing people. The fire falling from heaven, killing God's enemies. We saw the wrath of God. Ten plagues upon Egypt. We saw it all. But then in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's why you never hear me get up here and berate you about sin. Sin was taken care of a long time ago. Yes. You just put your faith to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. You would never have another sin problem, ever. Amen. In verse 9, he's saying, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Back in, back in Hebrews 1. <laughs> one in verse 9 I just read it thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity therefore God even thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows Jesus sings in church when you come together Jesus comes with you and he sings just, just like you sing he sings in the midst of the congregation to his God amen with gladness Gladness. Church ought, church ought not to be a place where you only cry. Right. Amen. It's okay to cry. 
if they're tears of joy. Yes. Amen. Glory to God. Read verse 10, Miss Ann. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hand. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. See, it does not matter whether, whether heaven passes away or it stays. It does not matter. Heaven and earth can pass away. Who cares? As long as we have Jesus. He can make he can make other planets. He made this planet. He can make other planets. He can make other worlds. He can make other galaxies. He can do anything he wants to do. As long as you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Amen. Verse thirteen. But to which of the angels said he at any time, "Sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool"? And they. Not all ministering are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So angels now work for us. Notice it did not say to send forth to minister to us, but for us. They work for you. That's what Paul meant when he, Paul had a revelation of this. And he said, you shall judge angels. Yeah. Wow. I got a couple of angels I'm going to talk to about this. Yeah. I've had a few things go wrong. I want to know where my angel was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I see you hiding over there. <laughs> Come up here. Pull your angel up there in front of God and say, where were you on this date? Yeah. Amen. But I got hurt and you weren't there. I had coffee, boss. Or whatever. I don't know what could distract an angel, but I know you can employ them. Use your faith and employ the angels that are around you. They're everywhere. This book of Hebrews is full of the word angel. Every place. It talks about angels in every chapter almost. Because angels are real. Real messengers of God assigned for you. Why? Because you're not in an angelic class. You moved up out of the angelic class, past angelic class into the God class, out of the man class into the God class. As sons of God, daughters of God, you have every right to expect the good things to happen in heaven. That's how, uh, that's how Jesus taught us to pray. The Lord Jesus said, pray this, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's how you can have the will of heaven on earth, because you're in the God class. Amen. God bless you all. I love you very much.